Hi, I'm Jen Naughton, and this is Bookish Society Secrets. In case you stumbled upon us, here's the sitch. We give you the inside dish, spoilers included, about the latest and greatest new books for kids and teens. Because I live by the mantra, so many books, so little time, I'm using this corner of the internet to boost authors and their stories. So, hey guys, today I'm chatting with Lindsay Curry, the author of many books, The Peculiar Incident on Shady Street. Scritch Scratch, and the upcoming What Lives in the Woods, which I think will be out in September of 2021. Hey, Lindsay, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So before I bury you in questions, do you want to tell us about your novel? (laughs) Sure, sure. And thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, So why don't I go ahead and open it up with What Lives in the Woods, since that's the one that's coming out next. And you are right. It is September 2021. So September 14th, um, if we're getting specific. And this book is actually a little bit different than the previous two in the sense that, yes, it it is still a middle grade mystery um, with a really spooky kind of atmosphere and tone. But Unlike my other books, it doesn't take place in Chicago. And if you know anything about me, you know I live in Chicago and I I do like to feature Chicago and Chicago history. So this is a big step. (laughs) It's Chicago represent. I know. (laughs) Woohoo, Chi Town. Um, So this one actually takes place in Michigan, right by a small town called Saugatuck that I had the extreme fortune of doing a solo writing retreat in several years ago that really sparked this book. So it follows the main the main character, Ginny Anderson is her name. And Ginny is 12 and she, in her mind, her future is that she's going to be the next Agatha Christie. So she absolutely loves mystery novels. She loves Agatha Christie novels. She loves writing and she has this amazing writing workshop planned for the summer. So we're right on the, on the cusp of a brand new summer and she and her best friend are going to do this together until womp womp. She finds out from her father at the very beginning of the book that they're actually taking a family trip to Michigan, which is rare for them because her parents are both very busy. They don't take a ton of vacations and it's going to be for an entire month. Ginny is a little distraught because as more details come out about this quote trip, she begins kind of piecing some things together because this is what Ginny's really good at. You know, she loves to dig around and research and she realizes this isn't really a vacation because her father has uh, referenced a mansion that they're going to be staying in, not a bed and breakfast, not a hotel, but a mansion. So she realizes this is actually another one of her father's jobs. He is a restoration expert, and he focuses mainly on historical restorations. So his job is to come in and help buildings and companies restore properties, but kind of keep their original charm, I guess, per se. That means in Ginny's mind, whatever this mansion is they're going to for a full month is probably run down and creepy because that's kind of been her experience with (laughs) what her dad works on. So obviously she's not thrilled. She gets dragged to this place, moves into this house and on like in the process of it, as she's still digging a little bit, um, discovers that not only is this mansion less than ideal, but it's on the edge of a state park 
uh, there in Michigan. And there are a lot of legends and stories about this particular state park. People who live in the area, the locals seem to think that the, the woods are inhabited by mutated creatures that prowl around the woods and snatch up hikers and campers who are never to be seen again. This is obviously unsettling to Ginny. She has a lot working against her as her family moves into Woodmore Manor for the first month of her summer. And to make matters worse, uh, some really weird things start happening inside Woodmore Manor. Make her start wondering if, if maybe all of the problems aren't necessarily out in the woods, as the title might suggest. So I think that for readers who like mysteries, thrillers, fast-paced, spooky, books. I think what lives in the woods is really going to appeal to them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Not to give a spoiler, but I was reading this at night on my Kindle in bed (laughs) and I'm all like, don't go in the ballroom. No, don't (laughs) do it. (laughs) Avoid the ballroom at all costs. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, the, the official trailer for what lives in the woods just released really recently And the person who created it, his name is Tom Saunders. He's actually the brother of the cover illustrator, who is Matt Saunders. So obviously an extremely talented family. Matt does all of these amazing illustrations for middle grade covers. He also did, um, if you've seen the cover for Small Spaces by Catherine Arden, that's another spooky middle grade series I love and a cover I love. So he was responsible for that. But um, Tom is is into animation. And so he created this amazing trailer. And, you know, especially now that you've read it, John, if you watch it again, you will see and hear a lot of clues that are in the book represented in the trailer that he very subtly weaved in. Even the music has something to do with the book. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. So, okay. So you, you got inspired when you were in Michigan. Did, is that where you got your idea for Legends? Did you hear about Legends up there or did you just pull that from somewhere else? No, I actually did. So I was working on a different project when I went there. And, uh, you know, my family sent me for a weekend. This is the only time I'd ever been away for anything like this. And so I got there, had planned to kind of sequester myself and go out now and again, just to grab food or whatever and, and make some real progress on this project, you know, without interruptions, which, you know, as as a mom, you know what that's like. And uh, I spoke to some people just kind of, you know, say I'm waiting for a burger or something, or they had a cute little bookstore, started talking to some people. And a few of them were giving me places that I should at least try to swing by while I was there to visit. And one of them was a mansion kind of on the outskirts of town. And this is the mansion that ultimately inspired Woodmore Manor in the book and in the family that lived there. So it was very loosely inspired by some people who actually lived in this mansion in Saugatuck. And the more I kind of talked to people in the area, um, the more I heard about these legends. And of course, the way my brain works, I, I can't just let go of it. <laughs> I had, All right. I had to start, you know, like Ginny, I had to start digging around and find out if there was anything to work with there, because kind of, I was getting that little feeling in the back of my brain, that tickle saying, this could be good for a book. This could be really fun for a middle grade book. Uh, and fortunately I, I was right because it ended up being a fantastically fun thing to research, a really fun book to write. And I cannot wait to go back to Saugatuck again now, uh, especially once that book publishes and visit, visit that mansion again, because I feel like I'm looking at it through new eyes now after having written a book about it. 
Oh yeah. And I, I, you know, gosh, I feel like your books are getting like better and better. I mean, they're all good. Like no joke. They're all super, super good. I mean, I was not surprised when you got that blurb from R.L. Stein. Oh my goodness. You are I mean, so sweet. That was, that was amazing, but honestly, I was surprised. <laughs> did you just jump up and down? Cause I mean, I he's like the king of scary. He is. And the, the, the wild thing about it is that I've, I've always really had a soft spot in my heart for R.L. Stein because he's made an entire career of writing scary and spooky things. But even more than that, if you listen to him speak at all, he really has a passion for getting kids to read. And he's done that. His career has made so many readers, you know, kids into readers who maybe um, were reluctant initially. And, and I think it, that's just magical. And then to top that off, he's a really nice person. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about how busy he is, how many books he has, how I am not a person who would even remotely be on his radar for him to do something like that was very kind and, uh, and very surprising. So when I saw it, I spent probably the next half hour wandering around my house, alternating between hysterical laughter and tears. Um, it was an interesting afternoon. My husband initially said he couldn't tell if something good or really bad had happened. (laughs) 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 But yeah, that was a really thrilling thing. And thank you for saying that you feel like my, my books are getting better. You know, this is, I feel like, I feel like it's a real challenge because when you first start writing or at least pursuing traditional publishing, you know, you're, you're so focused on just either getting the agent or getting that first book deal or seeing your book on the shelf for the first time. You're not really in that long-term thought process yet. And then after you've had a book or two come out, if I feel like everything shifts and suddenly you're thinking, you just don't want to, it's not just about those first steps anymore. It's about not disappointing your readers because now you actually have people who have read your books and who care and who know your name and who have expectations. And I think that can be really stressful when you're trying to to write books and meet deadlines, just thinking about that. There's that pressure always kind of there. So when someone says, you know, your books are getting better and better, it, it really makes me feel like, okay, I'm I'm at least not letting people down. That's oh, not at all. <laughs> very hard not to do. Not at all. So, okay. Do you think you'll you'll always write scary books? I don't. No, I don't. Okay. I mean, well, I do. Okay. I'm surprised. I thought you were going to be like, yes. Okay. <laughs> let me let me amend that before no. either one of us gets too alarmed. So I do think I will always continue writing spooky books, but I don't think that will be all I write. So okay. I guess that's the way I should say it. So I have a brain full of ideas that are churning nonstop. Um, so in fact, I have a different proposal right now in the works that is not spooky. I would still call it a mystery, um, but well, I would good. say it's much more of a contemporary book with you know more themes about family and, and friendship and exploring identity and that kind of thing with a mystery embedded in there, as opposed to being a mystery thriller first and, and foremost. So do I think the spooky will ever be gone? No, it's part of my personality. I decorate for Halloween on September 1st. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it will always be something that I write, but I do think I'll probably start interspersing some other things here and there because why not? Oh Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I I would be excited for anything, you know, anything that you write. I'm I'm all in. But I wondered because, well, only because these first three books have been spooky. Yep. So what would you say to parents about spooky books? Because I feel like some parents think that they will be too scary and steer their kids away from them. And universally, I find that kids love them. Mm. So this, this comes up a lot and it comes up long before I think most people even think it does because I'm thinking about these things as I'm writing books, right? What's going to go over well? What's going to perhaps chase away parents or gatekeepers? Because in this age group, you know, kids really aren't buying their own books or responsible for buying their own books. They're having to rely on someone else to, you know, pay for their books, drive them to the bookstore, the library, wherever it is they're getting their reading material, right? So the parents and the librarians and the gatekeepers, these are important people and their perception of what I'm writing is really important as well. What I would say is that the way I look at scary books is that for me, it's always been kind of an opportunity to confront things that maybe in real life, I'm a bit afraid of, but in a safe way if that makes sense. So oh, yeah. I'm going to say something that you, you're going to think is funny, but I love writing about and researching ghosts. I am absolutely terrified of actually being haunted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you secretly hoping you're not attracting ghosts really, to you? Yes. I am really genuinely afraid of the idea of ghosts and spirits and the afterlife and things like that. So for me, it's really kind of therapeutic to research and write books that have to do with that, because in a way I'm kind of facing those fears, but I'm not putting myself in any danger whatsoever. And I feel like there's a sense of bravery in something like that. I feel like when kids finish a scary book, as long as they know their limits, and this is something I stress to kids as well, we all have limits and it's, there's nothing wrong with closing a book and saying, this is too much for me right now. It's the same as turning off the television or a movie. If that's too much too, we have to know how much is too much. But as long as something is within a a kid's comfort level and their range of kind of maturity and what they're comfortable reading, often I feel like when they get to the end, there's kind of a sense of accomplishment. Like, ooh, you know, that, that was pretty creepy. But at the same time, they were given an opportunity to face some kind of scary things, hopefully walk out of it with some other themes. My books have a lot of themes about family and friendship and bravery and empathy. And of course, you know, a lot of history. So walk away with something else as well. I think scary books sometimes get stereotyped a bit, you know, like it's, it's just a scary book. Um, And in reality, that's, that's generally not the case. So hopefully parents see that. Yeah, I think, I think they do. I did want to talk a little bit about Scritch Scratch because we, Mm -hmm. um, we read that. Um, our Bookish Society kids read that this year and they really, really liked it. And I ended up referring a lot of them to your YouTube videos because they wanted me to go to all the places. <laughs> and I was like, guess what? I'm not going to, but you can watch Lindsay go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. Yes. You know, I, I actually really like Uh, I I can't, I don't want to say I like making the videos because I feel like that's, um, you know, there's a reason I'm a raider (laughs) out of my comfort zone, but I do like visiting the places. And I love the fact that doing these things 
it's kind of unwillingly planting the seeds of being interested in history, I think, in these young readers. I don't think they really realize that's what's happening, right? But ghosts and mysteries and scary things are such a great vehicle for other things like history. And history is one of those things that when I was a kid, I was so bored by. I I distinctly remember just like letting my eyes glaze over in, in history class and thinking, you know, when will we not be talking about a war? But I think I had a very narrow view of what history was. And now that I've learned that anywhere I'm at, there is some form of forgotten history that is fun to research and dig up. I absolutely love it. And so that's something I like about making those videos because I feel like I then get emails and things from kids saying, you know, I started looking around my town and I found out this, or there's a legend in my town and this is where I think it came from. Or they'll send me pictures of them here in Chicago at places that I featured in a book. And that's really, really cool. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely something that I harp on when we're reading books that are set in any place like any real world, right? Not in a fantasy world building situation, but I am all about being like geographically correct. Yeah. <laughs> and I love yeah. that your books are. So I just, it just annoys me as a reader. Like if you're going to set your story in a real place, then at least make sure that the characters actually can walk from here to there. Yes. And those, all of those little details, it's the same for me with, You know, there are very few things that I consider myself to be even remotely knowledgeable in, but, you know, there's a few sports and things like that. And so when you, you see them misrepresented in a book, you know, you know, I've read books that feature tennis, which is literally like one of the only sports I can play and there's incorrect terminology and that kind of thing pulls you out of the book. Yeah. (laughs) It makes you stop reading and whether or not you pick it up and continue reading doesn't really matter so much as the fact that it made you pause and it pulled you out of the story. So I definitely try really hard to make sure that I don't do that kind of thing. And, you know, living in Chicago certainly makes it easier that I've been here for so long to be accurate with here, but that was kind of, you know, one of those things I had to put some extra time into with the Sagatuck book, with What Lives in the Woods, just because I have spent time there. I've been there three times now since starting this book, Um, but it's not like I live there. So you do have to take those extra steps to make sure that you're really being thorough. Yeah, that's true. So what are some other scary books that you would recommend? Ooh, so, so many. Well, first of all, um, there is a group of middle grade spooky authors um, a spooky middle grade. Um, oh. I mean, you can find them. They have a website and I, I am loosely affiliated with this group. I used to be in them, uh, in with them when I had gobs more time than I have now. And, and they're all absolute rock stars with amazing books. But I would suggest starting there for one, if you have a reader that is really into spooky books. So Lorian Lawrence is part of that group. She has a series called Fright Watch that came out from Abrams. Her first one was called The Stitchers. That's a very, very fun book. Kim Ventrella has several spooky books out. I'm also a huge fan, as I mentioned before, of Catherine Arden. So um, I don't know if you heard that. That was my dog snoring. Uh, <laughs> so her her books are uh, Small Spaces and Dead Voices. And gosh, the last one, her most recent one, I haven't had a chance to read yet. But the other two books in the series 
are spectacular. And I would really strongly recommend them for anyone who likes spooky and atmospheric and just great writing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really wonderful spooky middle grade books out there. I know. Um, the one of the big hits this year was um Kate Alice Marshall, who wrote 13s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the kids loved that. They cannot wait. There's a sequel this fall. And Ugh. so it's one of the few books that I I told them we would read, even though I haven't read it yet, because clearly we, we're reading it. <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. That's happening. Oh, that's so exciting, though. When you see them so excited about something, I mean, it's really a special feeling, especially when it's a book. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not a new video game. It's not, you know, whatever. It's it's a book. It's amazing. It's a book. I know that's the thing. And who's going to disappoint, you know, a whole bunch of 12 year olds? Of exactly. course, of course, we're reading that book. I know. That's so great. It is awesome. Gosh, was there anything else that you want to promote? You know, I know this has been okay. really, really fantastic. Thank you so much for hosting me. I'm, I'm really excited for this next book to come out. So, and one little thing I will say about that, because I, I think it's a little unusual and I'm really proud of it. Although I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. it okay, is. I'll put that out there. Okay. The fact that it's coming out in hardback and paperback at the same time. Oh, I didn't and know then, that. Yeah. So, and, and this is, this is a thing that I'm going to have to figure out how to really spread the word about, because I think it is a special thing. So, you know, in, in my time as a writer for this age group, I have been in many circumstances at school visits, at bookstore signings, where I have seen kids be unable to afford a book and it is absolutely gut wrenching. So to know that there will be two different price points for this book, um, makes me really, really happy. That's something that my publisher, Sourcebooks, um, did on their own. They made that decision and just informed me about it. And I could not be happier with that choice. So that's the last thing I would want to say is that uh, we're we're going to get two versions at once and one's going to be a lot cheaper. So hopefully that makes it more accessible to even more readers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I didn't hear about that at all. And that is important, especially for kids that are, you know, you know, at the Scholastic Book Fair or, you know, wherever they can go buy books on their own. Because some kids do. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, we have a few kids that like to save up their money and buy books. And of course, I fully support that. Yes, of course. Yes. I do too. Well, thank you so much for hosting me, Jen. This has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bookish underscore society and on Twitter at bookish society. And of course, on our website, thebookishsociety.com. Thanks again to Chris Rieger for his audio engineering magic. 